2: Hope you're happy as well. Good to be here on a Friday and wrap up another week of the Dave Ellswick Show. Several stories uh, we will discuss uh, early this morning. We'll be jo- uh, joined by Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the university to which they are tied and for everybody, I need everybody. Remember, Monday's first day of school for much of the area. Some people start it back Wednesday, but the majority of you will start on Monday. That means you might want to leave your house ten minutes maybe earlier just because the school buses will be back out on the roads and the kids will be getting used to the new schedule that they've got to have and they'll be walking around like little zombies because they won't be all the way awake or anything like that. So do be careful when you drive around the bus stops where the kids are going to board the buses and things of that nature. I'll remind you about it again when we come on on Monday, but I just wanted to get it in your head now so maybe – you know, a couple of times over the weekend, you'll uh, you'll think about it as as well. Robert Seinbach is here. Good morning, Robert. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Excuse me.
1: I'm doing very well, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, was it a win for for Trump yesterday or not?
1: You know, that's really an excellent question because it may not appeal, but there's a lot of depth to it. He, he, the question is. Is it a win for Donald Trump that the judge agreed to partially release the affidavit that resulted in the search warrant? Yes. Uh, And 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 the answer is, for sure, in one respect, yes, because he was arguing for it. And so, if your goal is to achieve something and you achieve that, that's a win. Then, more broadly, that question politically is: Is it a win for him? Well, we need to see what's in it. Of course, Donald Trump and his team didn't don't know what's in it. So if there's something in it that says uh, uh, Donald Trump is working for the Russians, I use that intentionally because we know that nonsense, has, that lie has been propagated by the left for so long.
2: And been uh, disproved.
1: Indeed, thank you for adding that I, I mean that um, uh, But, you know, if there's something in it that uh, uh, Donald Trump has a basement Full of uh, dead babies You know, I'm obviously being facetious But uh, if there's something Terrible in it that becomes disclosed That won't be, quote, a win But putting aside That unlikely To say the least Possibility, yes It's a win and it's a big win And And thirdly it's a win for the American people, and here's why it's a win for the American people. You know, and your audience knows, Dave, that I, Rob Steinbuck, am the transparency guy. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can see through me. That doesn't mean I'm so skinny that you don't notice me. It means that the efforts that I make every day, every day in the state of Arkansas, and indeed nationally everywhere, is to create And promote government transparency. That's literally what's taking place here. You have government action through police, through law enforcement that is opaque, that is hidden. Some things need to be, for some period, hidden. Don't get me wrong. But it is hidden. And what is happening now? It is becoming transparent. We will be able to see it.
2: Yeah, now this is something that the former president wanted. He wanted everything brought out. He wanted nothing redacted. He wanted the American people to know everything. Now you say that he doesn't know everything. I guess his legal team said to him, hey, look, there's nothing for us to hide. Is that what you're reading into all of this?
1: Well, in a sense, right? Like, meaning... He doesn't know everything that's written in the affidavit, he and his team, because they literally haven't seen it. But they know the underlying facts, right, because the facts are about them. So, uh, no, we don't know what you put in that affidavit, and maybe the law enforcement officer put something in the affidavit that's simply untrue. Of course, we know that that can happen. uh,
2: Well, it has happened to him.
1: That's well. It happened right with the whole FISA court warrant. When they, what was that guy's name? As and, a Page. You know, page, right? Uh, page had a whole bunch of literally false information uh, put in uh, uh, an affidavit about him that resulted in a warrant through the FISA court. That's for your audience. That's the court that does this uh, spy stuff. Basically, it's a spy warrant. This guy, Page, I forget his first name, was working for the cia so they were saying he was a spy uh for the russians he was a spy for america for america right so um you know that's the that's the problem when you have government without oversight it doesn't mean that everything that government does without oversight is bad but i guarantee you this point if government lacks oversight, another way to phrase that, of course, Dave, is if government lacks transparency, somebody's going to do something wrong, and when they get away with it, they're going to do something more wrong, and more so, and more so. That's why we must have transparency.
2: Well, the question that uh, you know kind of bothers me on all of this is that the DOJ gets to redact a lot of stuff, so they... They may release stuff, and it's nothing more than they've redacted everything but the le- the the words the a
1: and we. I'm not sure who's making the decision on the redaction. In other words, it could be—I don't know the answer to this—but it could be that the DOJ provides the unredacted document to the judge with suggestions as to what gets redacted, and the judge makes the final call on the redaction. Uh, I I say this in part because that's sometimes, not typically, but sometimes what happens with a Freedom of Information Act request here in Arkansas is that there's some dispute as to whether the document can be released, and so the document goes to the judge, and the judge decides, and so a corollary of that could be that the judge decides what's being redacted. All
2: right. In a sidebar, speaking of uh, uh, FOIs and things of that nature, I'm sure you've been following the story uh, with Jimmy Cavan and get, trying to get information uh, about the uh, the Scott administration here in the city. and Jim Scott. Yeah, and it's been like pulling teeth is what it has been like. And uh, right. now – uh he brought up the fact to the city council and the city attorney that he was going to sue uh, about uh, them not following the uh the law that uh, is out there for uh you know revealing and, and turning over these uh documents uh, for the people to see and uh, he's now started talking to Larry Jegley the uh, prosecutor and it looks like uh You know, Mayor Scott may find himself in front of a judge.
1: I would love that to be the case. Let me, by the way, uh, give a shout out to the city attorney, Tom Carpenter, who I've criticized on your show. I've spoken to, by the way, many times as well in private. uh, And he, uh, to his credit, says, listen, I'm a public official. You, You know, you can criticize me, criticize what I do. Not that I need his permission, but he acknowledged his his role and 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 uh, I appreciate that, but let me give a shout out to him today because he wrote a very good memo. I think Jimmy Cavan uh, shared this on Facebook. In fact, I know someone did, but I, th- I think it was. No, uh, we shared
2: said, it. We shared it yesterday yeah, here on the yeah, show.
1: There you go. Even better, because, of course, your reach is much broader. Uh, and the memo in this memo, uh, Tom Carpenter describes how to revamp uh, the Freedom of Information Act uh, process at the city. Uh, and he does so very well. Very well. So this is a shout-out to Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, uh, for writing a very good memo that is a pro-transparency memo uh, for the city of Little Rock. Now, look, I'm still litigating against him. He's wrong on, on guns in, <laughs> in City Hall, right? Yeah. Uh, but but uh, to be fair, I mean, I want to make this broader point. I don't have anything personal against Tom Carpenter. From what little sort of interaction I've had with him at a personal level, he seems like a very friendly, nice guy. I don't care if he's nice or not nice. I care that he does the people's business. And when it comes to the Freedom of Information Act, with this memo, he's doing the people's business. And God bless him for that. When it comes to carrying guns in City Hall, he's not, he's wrong, and we're going to fix it. Um, so that's how... People are supposed to interact when it comes to disputes uh, with government entities. They're supposed to uh, uh, vigorously and zealously represent their positions. uh, And then they're supposed to go home uh, and do their own thing and, you know, thank the other guy if he does something well and criticize him if he doesn't. And so that's what I'm doing here. and And I think that's an important part of our civic duty. So good for him. But King Scott... Of course, I'm referring to Mayor Scott, but he marches around like he is a king. Uh, king Scott, who who ran on being one of uh, claiming to be transparent, saying I'm going to make a transparent administration, has done uh, everything but that. Yeah, he's so he's, he's done just
2: go. about everything in his power to cover up anything that he does. That's correct. He really, correct. he really has. I mean, we're we're covering this on the Dave Ellswick show. And uh, this is something that we're going to do even more of, even in other areas as well, not just in uh, Mayor Scott, but we may see other mayors. We may see heads of uh, quorum courts. We may see judges, all kinds of people, because that's why the Freedom of Information Act is so important.
1: Critical. Critical. Uh, As you know, Dave, I'm the co-author of the last edition of the book, on the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, I am the sole author of the next edition of the book uh, used by uh, judges, lawyers, and um, civilians—shall we call them? Right. Yeah. Uh, to to bring freedom of information act requests and to interpret the law. Uh, in fact, to uh, pat myself on the back. Uh, because you know how modest I am as a general matter, Uh, to pat myself. That's a joke, by the way. Uh, um, I'm laughing. I know you are. I can see it on the inside. Uh, (laughs) One of the Supreme Court justices wrote about my book uh, that she knows of no other book, no other book used by the Arkansas Supreme Court more than my book on the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, Because... Uh, the Supreme Court of Arkansas uh, has been very pro transparency they haven't gotten everything exactly right uh, on the Freedom of Information Act, uh, but they've done remarkably well uh, and and I don't know offhand of an opinion from the Arkansas Supreme Court on the Freedom of Information Act that doesn't quote my book so uh, it's uh, the, the fact that Arkansas is one of the most pro-transparency states really is something that is commendable because, you know, you're, oh, Arkansas is 47th in this and 48th in this. Well, guess what? It's in the top five or ten when it comes to the Freedom of Information Act, when it comes to the law underlying transparency. So uh, that's why every time we have a legislative session, and you know this because you're down at the legislature with me every time we have a legislative session i'm down in the legislature doing two things one proposing minor tweaks to the freedom of information act from time to time to improve it to improve transparency but much much more importantly and much much more often beating back attacks on your right to transparency often brought by uh, the arkansas association of counties and the Arkansas Municipal League. Don't kid yourself. Those are private organizations that take taxpayer dollars to lobby against the interests of, of citizens on behalf of bureaucrats.
2: All right. We're going to get back talking about what's going on with former uh, President Trump and with this affidavit. And we'll talk about Merrick Garland. And we'll talk about the FBI. All that's coming up. It's the Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101. Point one, FM. The answer. All right. Let me remind you about uh, PI Roofing and what PI Roofing is up to. PI Roofing is trying as hard as they can to uh, make sure that if you had uh, you know any kind of damage to your roof over the winter time into the springtime over the summer, uh, to get it up to one hundred percent again. Because you know we're we're almost at the end of the summer, moving into the fall. And with the fall, we'll come the rains again. And when the rains come back, you don't want any leaks. So you'll want the folks in PI Roofing to come and inspect your roof and make sure that it is 100% ready to take on all of the water falling from the sky. And then when we get into uh, wintertime, ice dams and everything else that can form on your rooftop. They'll also work with your uh uh, insurance agency, make sure they get uh, their people, their uh, appraisers up on the roof to look at the roof and see what it is that PI Roofing says is wrong. Get their buy in, get it fixed for you. Call PI Roofing 501 707 3551, 501 707 3551, or visit them online, piroofing.com. Now, If you just joined us uh, in this first segment, with Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, we started looking at what exactly is going on down in Florida. The federal Judge Reinhardt has said, uh, according to his thoughts, that not all of that affidavit that is sitting out there that set up the the warrant that led to the uh, searching of uh, former President uh, Trump's home uh, needed to be, uh, you know, not released, that it should be released, that the people needed to know, and that uh, the press who brought the suit against uh, uh, the Department of Justice, uh, their main argument was the people have the right to know and they want to know what was going on as far as uh, this affidavit went. Think about this 70 million people voted for former President uh, Trump in his reelection bid. Uh, Those people would like to know, well, what do you have the goods on the president about something? Uh, Are you going to tell us what it is so that we can go forth on all of this? Now, I find it highly unlikely now that the judge has said that that the DOJ has until Thursday of next week uh, to uh, redact what they want to protect, that we're going to learn a whole lot out of this information, although the judge seemed. When he said this to the DOJ about redaction, don't go overboard on this. Did did you kind of get that feeling from this uh, federal judge, Reinhart? <clears throat> that they
1: shouldn't go overboard on the redaction? Yes. Well, of course, I don't know if I got that specific feeling from him, but that's a notion in general Uh, that if you're going to release something, the whole point is to release it. So if you're going to come in and tell us what you want redacted or you're going to redact it yourself uh, and you redact everything but, as you say, the the and the and and the date, well, then you haven't actually produced a document. So I think uh, he may have sort of implied that, and I don't know. uh, But even if he didn't, that's implied generally when a judge says, I'm going to release a document. And I've seen that all the time, by the way, in the context of the Freedom of Information Act. That's why this case is such a wonderful parallel to what I do every day here in Arkansas. Yeah, well, I'm
2: just looking. Let me just read what the judge said yes. here. This is yes, sir. Uh, I'm just I I'm I'm, I got to admit I'm reading between the lines here and the, the DOJ and the FBI have not been the most transparent, forthcoming governmental agencies since Trump has been uh, president, to be honest.
1: Uh, 100% you're correct about that.
2: uh, The judge said he believes there are portions of the affidavit that presumptively could be unsealed. Whether they would be meaningful is for someone else to decide, he said. The government may disagree with him on some points, he said giving the DOJ until next Thursday to file its proposed redactions.
1: That was the point that I raised with you, right? I said that uh, uh, what is likely going to happen, and now we have confirmation of of that, is that the DOJ says, here's the full document, every word you judge can read. Here's the one... Marked up with redactions and for your audience again, Dave. Redaction simply means you, you you block it out. You, you in, old, in old school, right? You take a magic marker and you cross it out. Now, of course, you can do the same thing on a computer, so it's a little cleaner. But it's the same thing you've seen in movies, right? When they pull out the file of you know, some CIA agent and and there's all these black marks through the lines. That's a fancy word for that is redaction, right? And yes. So, The the government will provide the clean copy, the open copy to the judge, and the redacted copy so that the judge can see what the DOJ suggests should be crossed out. And then the judge will make that ultimate decision. So you might say, well, why doesn't the DOJ just give him the open copy? Well, because it's easier for the judge, and this is not a critique, by the way. It's easier for the judge to know, well, what should I cross out? Well, it's the DOJ that wants to cross out stuff. Let me ask them, and that 's re- reflective of of our the notion of how our system of litigation works okay. which is the judge let Go me ahead.
2: let me have you hold your powder here yep we'll come yep. back we 'll pick this up on the other side yep. of the news let 's get some news in this morning on the Dave Ellsworth show Robert, with as many years that you 've had in the legal community and being a a, a practicing lawyer and all the rest let me ask this question of you about uh, the de- you know the uh, department of of justice and, and the way that they seem to do business why would they be afraid to uh, allow the uh, the defendant to know what it is that they believe that they did uh, you know before the trial date i mean it's all going to come out in the wash anyway
1: Indeed. It's a great question. There are times that it is legitimate and there are times that it is illegitimate. So let's say you have a mob investigation and they do a search on mobster number one. Uh, They don't want to disclose The affidavit that resulted in the search warrant of mobster number one, because it may say, well, uh, mobster number two is actually an informant. And he's telling us about mobster number one, uh, mobster number three, four and five. And that's how we know uh, what's in the house uh, to search for. Uh, So that's an example of when you wouldn't want to release the affidavit until all the arrests are made. Um, but the flip side is, what happens if there's only one guy? Uh, so you're not worried about tipping off anybody else. And the only other sort of legitimate, uh, commonplace reason not to release uh, the affidavit is if it contains national security information. So if for some reason they detailed the contents of whatever memos they allege that took home and the details of those somehow implicate national security. Interestingly, by the way, Dave, that is an overused notion in general, having nothing to do with Trump here, meaning the government, state level, uh, local level and federal level is very quick to invoke any exception to releasing information. They're very quick to deny Transparency, uh, and one way that they deny transparency at the federal level, be it through um, search warrants, the affidavits underlying search warrants, warrants, as we see here, or even at the federal Freedom of Information Act, is to say, "Well, national no security," and I am confident in saying that that is overused because it is it is an excuse not to release information to the public. It's not always wrong. But I guarantee you it's not 100 percent correct.
2: Well, isn't it the, the burden on the prosecution to show, you know, uh, and to prove that what they're doing is what they're trying to do and, and not, in this case, trying to, to, to lead a, a crusade to keep uh, the, the uh, former president from running for president again?
1: Well, indeed, and let me describe an analogy here again to the Freedom of Information Act here in Arkansas. As you know, I represent a client suing Eric Higgins uh, for his lack of transparency as a Pulaski County Sheriff, his failure, uh, much like King Scott, to turn over records that he must turn over. And uh, he, one of the things that he claimed all along is, oh, well, we can't turn over this one set of records, because there's an ongoing criminal investigation and we said uh you told us that the defendant is going to enter a plea next week how are you still investigating that so you're going to go into court and issue a plea if it's still under investigation and so then we go to court and uh They say, well, I say there's no uh, ongoing investigation. They have a witness with them, but they don't put on the witness. And then after failing to put on the witness, they say, well, we could have put on the witness. And I know this was a bit of a long story. And my response is, you didn't. And the burden is on you, not on me as the requester. The burden is on you to demonstrate that this exemption applies. And by the way, the ongoing criminal investigation exemption in the Arkansas FOIA is very much like the claim that the DOJ is making regarding Trump. Well, we've got ongoing stuff, right? So that stuff is either secret stuff about other defendants, that kind of thing, or, as I just mentioned, this national security concern. In either event, the burden is on them to demonstrate why it shouldn't be released. Not the other way around, particularly when the other way around requires people like me or the president to have to guess what's in the warrant in the first place.
2: Yeah, I'm worried that if it's political in nature and i have nothing to dissuade me from that uh, that thought i believe this is totally political because it's getting close to election time in november uh, i mean we're just about 10 weeks away from the november election you can you can drag this out and by uh, dripping out a little bit of information here and dripping out a little bit of uh, information there, whether it's from the FBI, or the Department of Justice, or whomever it might be, you can try to lead uh, the American people to think there's something in this that really isn't, and but yet cause uh, Trump all kinds of
1: political problems. 100%. Right. I mean, this is the playbook of those who are not interested in actual transparency. Oh, we can't release it. By the way, you should be drawing the wrong conclusions. And the other side keeps asking for transparency. Uh, I'll give you another analogy to here in Arkansas. Uh, You covered in great detail, Dave, uh, the fact that at the law school that I teach at, the Bowen School of Law, last year there was a controversy what was that controversy that one of our named professorships uh, was somehow secretly renamed after bill clinton yes and so i i raised that actually to be fair my colleague raised that issue my colleague is a democrat my colleague is such a democrat that when i told them we have open primaries here in arkansas And he lives in my district you can vote for me in the primary you just have to ask for the republican ballot and you don't have to be a registered republican to do so his response is i will never vote in the in a republican primary even though i support you um so that's how democrat he is right and he said wait a second this shouldn't be named after Bill Clinton. That's not what happened, quite the contrary. It was not supposed to be named after Bill Clinton. He went unresponded to, I raised the issue thereafter, and we were stonewalled, right? So this is this is the analogy that I'm drawing to what the government's doing in the Trump case. Uh, th- so far, Trump has been stonewalled. I was stonewalled. And not only that, by the way, when I raised it, um, the dean said, I want to point out to you, uh, to both of you, me and my colleague, what should be obvious at this point, your colleagues are not interested in the naming of this professorship. Why do I tell you that, Dave? Because this is how government controls information and restricts information. They tell you, no, you shouldn't be interested in this no the public is not interested in it Well, guess what you don't get to make that call mm-hmm. the government doesn't get to tell other people what the public is interested in if jimmy cavin makes a FOIA request he is the public if rob steinbuck and tom sullivan have an inquiry about a name profess- professorship he is the the universe they are the university of arkansas bowen school of law everybody who works there Is the Bowen School of Law Not just the chosen few Uh, Jimmy Kavan and others who make FOIA requests They are the public Not just the public that is determined by the government And when it comes to Trump He is the public And if he calls for transparency That is a call for transparency By the public Whether or not the government wants to acknowledge that Doesn't mean everything gets turned over But it does mean there is a call for transparency
2: my My biggest worry here Is a simple one That by having some highly placed leaks and saying just this or just that, you can lead uh, the general public. And believe me, that has a lot to do, you know, when you're deciding about somebody going to trial or something like that, if the public is raising a hue and a cry. A lot of times uh, the departments of justice or the FBI or the police department or the sheriff's department, the you know, the mayor's department, they may bend to what the public voice is. And the public voice of the, of the, the voter out there may be making the decisions that they're screaming about on wrong information. That's what I'm very, very uh, afraid of as far as uh, this is concerned. All right, 645, we've got to get a break in we got to do that let me remind you about david lucas financial what he wants to do for you he wants to make sure that if you are going to go out and buy uh some silver and gold and by the way i know david really well david has been a friend of mine for almost 15 years he used to be part of my my power panel uh he used to have uh uh his own show, he still does have his own show, in fact, that comes on on Saturdays here uh, and it is on other big stations across the uh, the state, keeping you up to date on how you protect your nest egg. And he'll tell you that having some silver or gold right now, with the way inflation is, is not a bad thing to do, but you got to do it the right way so to learn the right way Give him a call. They'll teach you how to buy silver and gold. 501 222 3315. Everybody's, uh, you know, nest egg is different. So everybody has different things that David Lucas and his his folks have to look at to make sure they get it right for you. 501-222-3315. Learn more about buying silver and gold with David Lucas Financial. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial in Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I think that we've co- covered everything about what's going on uh, uh, down in Florida right now. We're going to just have to wait till Thursday of this coming week to find out uh, what the judge is going to allow to be redacted and, and what he isn't. So uh we'll move on from that uh, that subject right now but i do not trust the department of justice and i do not trust the fbi the fbi has proven uh beyond a shadow of a doubt with the uh, the Gate stuff that uh they 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 just swallowed a whole uh you know a whole uh, cup of uh of uh, erroneous material they had a person within the fbi in fact many people in the fbi that were out to get trump and they were reporting wrongly they were leaking wrongly it was uh, you know crazy what they were doing and now uh, you got the doj basically doing exactly the same thing to say that uh, the doj and the fbi have been politicized is an understatement uh, that, that, that's the bottom line. It's an understatement. All right, don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Let me talk about Eric Coleman for a moment. Eric is my friend. Eric and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, he has been involved uh, with jewelry for over 40 years. He's wanted to be a jeweler since he was a young man. Uh, I mean, I mean, a young man. I'm talking about when he was a kid and he got a rock polishing uh, deal for christmas time and uh, he would polish rocks and then he would take those rocks and he would make jewelry out of them and give it to people for uh, christmas time uh in his family so uh, eric loves jewelry he likes designing jewelry if you have uh, uh a ring that you want to give to somebody who's significant in your life, he can help you do that. Uh, He can take the information that you tell him about that somebody and incorporate it into the ring that he will design. So they'll know it's about them. They'll know it's all about them and their personality in that piece of jewelry. He carries the highest quality jewelry in his store. He's got a lot of other Artisans as well uh, that he carries, and you can look at it. You can buy uh, what you're looking for. You can find uh, stones, loose stones, loose diamonds, colored diamonds, rubies, emeralds, amethysts, all kinds of different, you know, jewels, and uh, and then uh, have them put into a, uh, a way, into a ring or a necklace or a, a bracelet uh the way you want it to be done by Eric turning his talent uh to be using it for you. He also does estate jewelry as well. You bring in uh, jewelry he got you got from your mother, your grandmother, he'll tell you what it's worth. Uh he may want to buy it. Or you might want to trade it for something you see in his cases. He'll do any of those things. And don't forget, he does the repairs. He's got the plasma torches and everything necessary to take care of uh, your jewelry that you have and getting it cleaned and things of that nature. He's at uh, 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E. Uh, and uh, he's open Monday through Saturday from 10 in the morning till 6 in the evening. You can call him at 501 246 3655. Stop by, see my good buddy Eric Coleman. He'll uh, give you all the ins and outs of jewelry. All you got to do is stop by and ask. That's Hillcrest Designer uh, Jewelry. Well, the uh, K- Kentucky Supreme Court uh, temporarily upheld. Uh, their abortion ban, until November 15th uh, after the uh, general election. Let me give you a little bit of this story, Robert, and and see what you think about it. Uh, Yesterday, Kentucky's Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, revealed that the Kentucky Supreme Court upheld the Commonwealth's abortion ban, allowing the Human Life Protection Act and Heartbeat Law to remain in effect that is, at least for the time being, until the court reviews the case. Attorney General Daniel Cameron said this. This morning, the Kentucky Supreme Court denied an attempt to reopen abortion clinics in Kentucky. The court's order ensures that Kentucky's Human Life Protection Act and heartbeat law remain in effect while the uh, court case continues. ABC reporting the court agreed to take the case, set a schedule for the submission of briefs and for arguments before the justices. The high court set a hearing for November 15th that will be after the upcoming general election when a proposed constitutional amendment about abortion is on the ballot. Voters will be asked whether the state's constitution should be amended to say there is no right to to abortion. Uh, Kind of interesting. This has become a bigger issue than a lot of people thought it would. They thought that once the Supreme Court spoke of the United States spoke that uh, people would understand it goes back to the states. I'm kind of interested even though there might be a law that says abortion is OK in the state of Kentucky, and they got this new law that they're trying to get passed that says that it isn't and be added to the Constitution. Uh, it seems like to me abortion is not OK uh, in the way that the uh, the Supreme Court ruled on it. And, and so now we're we're getting into pieces of technicalities, aren't we?
1: Well, I, th- I-, I think overall that conclusion is right. But let's step back for a moment and discuss what happened uh, at a high level with the su- Supreme Court. Your audience, of course, knows the fact that the Supreme Court reversed Roe v.ersus Wade. But what does that mean? That means that there's no guaranteed guarantee, rather in the U.S. Constitution uh, for an individual, for a woman, by the way, those are the people that get pregnant, for a woman uh, to have an abortion. It doesn't mean there's a prohibition. It just means there's no guarantee. In other words...
0: It's up to the the, state.
1: Right, um, and and I'll come to that in a second. Uh, If you read your instruction manual for your brand new refrigerator, there's no discussion about how to run your car either. The Constitution doesn't speak to the issue of abortion. That's what the Supreme Court says. So that leaves it essentially, albeit not entirely, but essentially to the states. And then who decides? The voters decide, right? And so I, of course, support um, pro-life. So I support the law that we have here in Arkansas. But if you go to New York, the voters are going to support pro-choice. Now. I would prefer that they, that, that they choose the opposite, no pun intended. But here's the interesting thing about it. I, nonetheless, uh, it, when they vote in New York, for example, and say abortion shall remain uh, legal in New York, uh, what, what am I supposed to do about that? I, I, I'll try to persuade them, but that's it. That's it. I'm not going to try to use force or overturn, uh, you know, uh, have a revolution on the U.S. Constitution because I support democracy. And so even when democracy produces a bad result, I support democracy. Uh, and, and that's an important thing. Uh, uh, now, we could always in the future change the U.S. Constitution to provide a guarantee uh, to life, a right to life. But until we do that. Those rights are in the hands
2: of the people. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back after the news. We'll rejoin, and we've got other things to talk about that are out there. We can talk about uh, what's going on with the Australian Parliament. You might be interested in this. Kind of interesting, the uh, conservative uh, discussion they had and came to the belief that uh, Christian hospitals are now exempt from performing abortions. That was a surprise. We'll talk about it when we return. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It's a Friday edition. We'll back with Robert Steinbach when we return here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. To Dave Ellswick Show. Interesting story uh, from uh, uh, Channel Eleven's uh, website this morning. Jeremy Pauly, 40, charged with buying human organs from a woman in Arkansas from re- for resale, according to the East uh, Pinsboro Township Police. Uh, this is out of Enola, Pennsylvania. Police in Cumberland County have charged a Bloomberg man with abuse of a corpse and other offenses after he allegedly tried to buy human remains from an Arkansas woman for resale on Facebook. It's a weird story. Uh, The rest of it, by the way, sorry I'm a little out of breath. I had to run from the printer to get here into the the studio. Uh, Paulie, whom court records list as a resident, at Bloomsburg, but is called an Enola resident by police, describes himself on his Facebook page as the owner-curator of the Grand Wonder Camer and the executive director and curator of the Momento Moray Museum. Uh, The Grand Wonders Camper Facebook page describes the group as, quote, vendors of the odd and unusual and that its events feature uh, museum exhibits, guest lectures, live entertainment, and so much more. Paulie's uh, personal Facebook account lists more than 4,900 friends. The items he lists for sale on his page are described by Polly as medical bones, femurs, mandible bones, teeth, and various other bones. According to police, the investigation of Pauly began on June 14th when police received a phone call regarding suspicious activity at a home on the 200 block of North Enola Road in Enola. The tipster told police that a suspect, later identified as Pauly, was buying human body parts and selling them on Facebook. Investigators went to interview Pauly at his home, According to the criminal complaint, affidavit filed against him. During the interview, Paulie allegedly told police he was in possession of three full human skeletons and approximately 15 to 20 human skulls. That's according to the complaint. Paulie described himself as a collector of oddities. I would agree with that. And said the items were purchased legally. Investigators said the items appeared to be very old, and that Polly appeared to have acquired them from a legitimate purchase, according to the complaint on July eighth. Police say they received another call regarding Polly. The caller said they found additional human remains in the basement of Polly's home. The caller reported there were buckets of human skin and human organs in the basement according to the complaint police executed a search warrant at the home and collected three to five buckets containing suspected human remains which were taken to the cumberland county coroner's office and later transported to dauphine county For testing, according to the complaint. According to investigators, a forensic examiner later determined the buckets contained. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Human brains, two. Human skin and human fat, six pieces. A human heart. A human kidney. A uh, human skull with hair. Human livers, two. A human trachea. A human child's mandible with teeth, and human lungs, two pair. Further investigations determined Paulie uh, was purchasing the remains from a a uh, Arkansan, whom police identified as Candace Scott. An examination of Facebook Messenger exchanges determined Paulie had purchased several human remains from Scott for $4,000 including half a human head, one whole human head minus the skull cap, three human brains with skull caps, a human heart, a human liver, a human lung, human kidneys too, a human female pelvis, a piece of human torso including a nipple and Human hands, four of those. Uh, Police say the test items were shipped uh, to Pauly via U.S. Postal Service. State police intercepted the remains in Scranton, according to the complaint. District Attorney uh, called the case one of the most bizarre investigations he has encountered in his 33 years as a prosecutor. Just when I think I've seen it all, a case like this comes around, said McCormick. Uh, Lisa Taylor, the Vice Chancellor of Communications and Marketing at the U of A for Medical Sciences, released the following uh, uh, statement. And uh, let me read that to you real quickly. UAMS is extremely respectful of our donors when they are here in uh, our uh, care. We can contact with Arkansas Central Mortuary Services... To take the bodies for uh, cremation are no longer being used by our students. An employee of the mortuary service is under investigation by federal authorities. Some human remains from the mortuary that were donated to UAMS. We are appalled that this happened. While the Arkansas State Police Criminal Division, Investigative Division, was an active partner in the investigation, the nexus of the criminal charges are based on a federal investigation, said Bill Sadler. And uh, all inquiries regarding this case should be directed to the FBI in Little Rock. Unbelievable. So somebody was working... uh, in in the donated body section. I mean, they donate these bodies for medical students and uh, these, you know, brains, things of that nature. And somebody was sneaking them out and selling them on Facebook. Now, is that not bizarre?
1: It's beyond bizarre, Dave, right? It's it's downright crazy.
2: Yeah, it's pretty... I just came across that story. It's a wild, wild story, to say the least. Okay, so... um, couple of more stories about abortion that I think everybody should hear. Uh, Google employees are petitioning for additional abortion benefits. Now, this is going on with a lot of different companies all across the United States. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of them as well, Robert, where uh, you know uh, companies are offering uh, travel benefits, companies are offering housing benefits, and all kinds of things for women who want to get abortions. Uh, Now, for Google, this is a benefit the company is offering employees and they still demand more. Uh, The Daily Wire reporting, over 650 Google employees signed a petition seeking more generous abortion tourism, tourism benefits. I've never heard abortion and tourism used in the in the in the same uh, sentence. Uh, Google chief people officer uh, told staff that the firm would cover out-of-state abortions and allow employees to quote apply for relocation without justification unquote. Nevertheless, members of the Alphabet Workers Union. Endorsed a petition demanding that the company expand the benefits to temporary employees, vendors, and contractors. Among other policies, the petition calls for seven days of additional sick time because workers will need to travel for significant periods to obtain health services. Uh, greater travel reimbursements and the end of political donations to lawmakers who oppo- oppose abortion. Now, my my question is a simple one: Do they do this for cancer treatments? Do they do this for other things as well? And I bet you, if we look at it, we'll find that they do not. That just tells you, as I've always said here on this show, for the left, that abortion is a, a is a sacrament to, a sacrament to them.
1: Dave, perhaps even more uh, nefarious than that, if possible. The businesses like abortion because it keeps female workers uh, in their seats, sewing buttons on shirts. That's why they like abortion. Remember, by analogy again, when we were testifying in the state legislature, On vaccine mandates and big business showed up through their paid uh, spokesperson remember what that is the arkansas chamber of commerce which gets taxpayer funds funneled to it through the arkansas economic development commission which is a public entity the uh the chamber of commerce showed up and said we're for employer mandates for vaccines why because it keeps people in the seats sewn buttons on shirts that's why so then when alan clark the chair of the judiciary committee said oh you're for that um and you're paying for the vaccines which of course are free right don't you love that they're paying for the free vaccines um, what about paying the employees if they get a long-term disability from the vaccine, to be clear, very, very rare, but possible. Uh, are you going to pay for that? Oh, well, I can't answer that, says the paid mouthpiece of course. for big business, <laughs> right? So that's business is unfortunately... Uh, particularly big business, focused on keeping people in their chairs, sewing buttons on shirts. That's an analogy, right? I mean, people do many right. things in work. But I'm talking about the old sweatshop days where that's what people did. They sewed buttons on shirts. Uh, and so that's what business is interested in. So when they're telling you they're looking out for your best interest, they're not. They're looking out for their interests. That's Okay. They can look out for their interests, but don't tell me you're looking out for my interests. And therefore, don't tell me what I'm supposed to do in my free time and what conversation I'm supposed to have between my doctor and myself as uh, regarding whether I should get a vaccine or not.
2: Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing what's going on with big business anymore. And uh, it's right now. Some of this stuff is happening, as you were just talking about. Because they can't find the necessary workers to fill positions that they need filled. I understand. it.
1: And, of course, here's the rub to that. They can't find them at the prices they're offering. Mm-hmm. Well, you can always find workers if you pay enough.
2: Yeah. I don't disagree with that either. All right. We need to get our first break in here in the, se- in the second hour. My uh, guest, of course, is Robert Steinbach. He joins me on Fridays, and we sit and talk about a whole lot of different stories uh, and uh, the legalities that, that might be going on. And uh, you just heard the legalities of this story. And what does it mean for you? We try to get that to you on a on a, a local uh, feel on any issue that we talk about, and talking about talking about stuff. How about talking about you know the cost of health insurance and how you can save a lot of money with Pat Davis? Pat Davis can you know cut your health insurance uh, costs by thirty to fifty percent. Doesn't sound like a lot. Let's say you're paying a thousand dollars, they might be able to save you anywhere from uh, you know two fifty to. To five hundred dollars a month, and for a lot of people, that's not a lot of money. But if you multiply it by twelve, it suddenly becomes very obvious that it turns into a large amount of money. How about getting rid of copays or or uh, getting deductibles uh, down or getting a a, a, a check from uh, you know the hospital or from your doctor? That can happen as well by doing it the Pat Davis way. Call him at 501-605-6935 or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. All right. Interesting story out of Australia. Let me remind you that um, that other voice you hear is Robert Steinbach. He is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the university to which it is attached. But it should be, just so you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Australian Parliament votes to exempt Christian hospitals from performing abortions. That's right. They look like they got it right for a change. Uh, the Parliament of the Australian state of Victoria has struck down a bill that would compel all hospitals that receive state funding to provide access to abortion services and voluntary assisted dying. All right. So there's two things here. Uh, you know, you, you you got abortion going on and then you have, quote, mercy killing. Uh, including anything associated with religious organizations to provide the said procedures to inquiring patients. Uh, Life News uh, reporting that abortions are legal for any reason up to 24 weeks in Victoria and later in certain circumstances. Uh, Doctor-assisted suicide also is legal for people, quote, in the late stages of advanced disease, unquote. The law protects hospitals and medical workers from being forced to abort unborn babies or participate uh, participate in assisted suicides in violation of their consciences. State parliament leaders agreed that those protections should remain in place. Well, they're sometimes a couple of steps ahead of us uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, Over in uh, Australia, the whole thing about, you know, uh, uh, protected uh people uh, that are are dying and and uh some family member says well they're suffering and we want their life ended uh now if uh that's in a uh, a Christian hospital or a Hindu hospital or uh, a a religious of any kind hospital, and they don't believe in it, they don't have to take part in it, and I believe that that's the way it should happen. Here in the United States, our uh, religious conscience should not be violated uh, in any way, shape, or form. But, uh, you know, this is something that's interesting because uh, if you've ever read the book by Francis Schaeffer, that was called Whatever Happened to the Human Race. He was he was a great Christian philosopher, and he took several different steps out of abortion and said, because you believe that you can draw a line here in the sand and say, uh, before this line, it's all right to kill somebody. Uh, beyond this line, it's not okay to kill somebody. Uh, then it is a slope that you can get on that takes you to places you never thought you were going to end up at, uh, in the end. And and some of the things that he talked about were, you know, mercy killing. Of course, killing somebody because let's say they got cancer and a doctor uh, says, uh, "Well, I only think they got about five weeks to live." Look, I've I've had friends that have been, you know, they've they've told. My buddies, that they only had a couple of years to live because they had a certain kind of cancer, and guess what they 're alive still ten years down the line so uh, when they when they make those uh, predictions uh, they 're a guess from the physician at best. And then uh, you go from there, you go to infanticide, where, uh, and we see that happening here in our country now, where in a couple of state legislatures, uh, they have brought up some bills they've never passed yet, but they're being talked about, and that is being able to kill a, a, a born baby up to a, whole, a week beyond their birth, or in the case of, for instance, Maryland, a full year. Uh, beyond, so once you start drawing arbitrary lines, those lines are easy to change, and it and it and it seems to me, uh, you know, Australia understands that now. Here in America, in some states we understand it, in other states we don't. Uh, you got to be very, very careful when you start drawing, you know, lines in the sand, so to speak, uh, Robert.
1: You know, well, you don't need to convince me. That's. <clears throat> that's the whole debate. I I think I told you that when I was running for office, a guy came up to me and he said, uh, so you don't uh, believe in exceptions uh, in abortion law um, other than the life of the mother? And I said, well, that's right. Uh, and he said, um, but what happens if, you know, some, one, one of these tragedies occurs, right? And I said, well, I agree with you. Those are awful, awful things, tragic, and, and, it, and it creates a, a, an awful situation no matter what. But I don't think that the solution is killing the baby. Um, and I said to him, but let me ask you this. When do you think life begins? And he, and he said, it, this was interesting. He goes, oh, well, I don't know, maybe about 10 weeks. And so there's a couple of interesting things. First thing is, well, if you recognize that you don't know exactly when it begins, is not it fair to recognize that maybe I, that my position, which is earlier, uh, that, that that might be the right answer? Um, but we don't even need to get that far. I said, okay, let's assume, let's lock it in at 10 weeks for your view. You you understand that I think it's earlier, and he said, I do, and I said, You don't have to agree with me, but assume getting inside my mind, getting inside the mind of a person who believes it happens earlier. Do you understand why then we don't want the abortion to happen during the time period in which we believe that the baby is a life? The baby is a baby. And he goes, you know, I never thought about it that way. It's an interesting point.
2: All right. We got Let's take a break. I'll let you finish up your your talk in just a second. Right now, here's Bill O'Reilly. Back with you. Robert Steinbach was uh, explaining uh, a, a give-and-take he had with somebody who uh, believed that life began in about 10 weeks, and uh, Robert was saying, hey, I believe that it starts at conception and and how that made their ways of viewing life different. And finish up of how this turned out, Robert.
1: Well, I largely told you the story, the end simply is that this person recognized that if you believe life starts earlier than 10 weeks, uh, that it is a rational position to oppose abortion. And so when you hear the left with their histrionics and their screaming uh, that uh, the conservatives want to take away women's rights. Uh, it's interesting when you talk to someone on the left who wants to think about these issues, uh, at least this one seemed to recognize this wasn't about taking away women's rights. It was about protecting babies' rights. And as I've said on your show many times before, I'm not uh, suggesting uh, in any way that we're not creating an environment when we protect babies' rights that has some impact on women. It does It does. Uh, But the impact on women, conservatives believe, uh, is uh, outweighed by the impact on the baby, i.e., it's killing. Uh, And so that's a real discussion about abortion. Um, Fake discussion. Uh, discussions about abortion is what you generally hear from the left uh, when they scream and cry about how um, you're uh, discriminating against women. Uh, And then when they get into bed, uh, then when the uh, Chamber of Commerce types get into bed with those arguments, uh, having no interest, frankly, in uh, women or men or anybody else, just in the bottom line in recognizing that having babies uh, interferes with
2: that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. I want to go back to Bill O'Reilly. He was making a point uh, about uh, polling uh, during his uh, little uh, you know talk that he gives at the uh, 7.30 uh, section of my show. And I wanted to expand that just a little bit. I want people to think about this because he made a statement saying that You know, the media uh, basically is trying to change the way you view stories, and he's correct about that. And uh, let me explain what I mean. I was a journalism major when I went to college, and uh, when I was uh, going through journalism uh, uh, school at uh, the university, they were teaching us objective journalism. Now, what is objective
1: what, What's that, Dave? Yeah, I know. What is that?
2: A lot of people don't know what it is anymore because the journalism they've been, you know, inundated with since the 80s is not the same thing. It's called advocacy journalism, but objective journalism is you report the facts and let the reader, the listener or the viewer decide. The Advocacy journalists takes up a point of view that they believe is being – that the person watching, listening, or reading needs to be convinced of and to have, if they don't believe the same way, to have their belief system changed. That's too completely – different things. And that's the problem that we're having uh, amongst people now who look at the media and uh, have rated them so lowly now uh, about what they think about, you know, newspapers, television, and uh, radio news as well uh, that's going on today because they're not seeing it as being real news. I was talking to Jimmy uh, Kevin yesterday and I said, Jimmy, you know, your reporting of uh, the different things that you are finding out through the Freedom of Information Act is more journalism than a lot of the TV stations and uh, newspapers or even radio uh, news that I listen to now uh, because they're trying to convince you of, of, of what is being said not telling you what's being said he jimmy's just you know saying hey i asked the um, you know the the finance department of uh, little rock to give me all the information that was out there about how much money that the uh, the mayor has spent on security and we're finding out that by the end of this year it might be somewhere near nine hundred thousand dollars plus we have found out that this mayor is the first mayor that has had any kind of a security force now that's real news to know about he didn't go into saying well now i want you to think about that and uh, what does that mean to you he didn't get into that i got into that but i don't i Look, I'm not a newspaper person, or a or a, a television news person, or or a radio news person. What I try to do is is give the facts, and then I I give my opinion on what those facts say. Now that's the difference between my show and which becomes advocacy at that point, and uh, the stories that we're reporting on. So I, I just find it really interesting. Uh, How many people now, it's been going on for, what, 90, 30, 40 years now, uh, this advocacy thing, and people have, a lot of young people don't have a clue about what a real news story is
1: all about. Yeah, it's it's really tragic. Another analogy for you, think about this, Dave. The ACLU uh, used to be an organization, it's a a leftist organization, committed to the freedom of speech. And as I've said many times on your show, uh, the left owned, in a good way, uh, the notion of freedom of speech. And what I mean by that, of course, is that conservatives in the 70s, were not particularly good on the notions of freedom of speech. They were not properly pro-free speech. They were too genuflecting towards government. Uh, uh, They were too genuflecting towards big business. So the left was correct, and the conservatives were wrong. And the ACLU pursued freedom of speech regardless of what the content of that speech was, because, of course, If you don't, then that's not freedom of speech. If you only support the speech that you like, that's not free speech at all. It's the opposite. It's freedom to say what I like or what the other guy likes or what the government likes or what those in power like. So all of that was uh, reflected in the proper balance, not balance, the proper goal of the ACLU, which was all speech should be free. Uh, Indeed, of course, the the famous case was that the ACLU represented a bunch of neo-Nazis. And to be clear, the ACLU was a bunch of lawyers, and the lawyer that was representing the Nazis, as well as the head of the ACLU, were Jews. Right. Jews representing Nazis. Because they agreed with the Nazis? No, because they agreed with the notion of free speech. Now the ACLU says, we're going to support free speech unless we have a problem with the speech. That's not free speech. That's supporting ideas that you like. It's, it's pathetic, Dave.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. They, they, they totally flipped to be what they were fighting against.
1: That's right. And, of course, why do I tell you that story? Cause that's what the press is doing right the press used to be a for free speech and also the press used to be for presenting just the facts and letting you draw the conclusion however you think is just and they do, now they do exactly the opposite they tell you their political conclusion and present you the facts that support that conclusion and don't let you make any analysis on your own at all
2: yeah I, I agree. It's it's amazing to me that you and I uh, have watched this happen. I mean, I've I've been around the, the whole argument on freedom of speech since Berkeley in the '60s, and okay. uh, the bottom line is that uh, it's it my side that I have always supported, which was the uh, the side of the conservatives, have come around to understand that free speech is our friend and not our enemy. And just the opposite happened with the left, where they said, no, we don't want people to be talking about this or that because, hey, we don't want them to even think that way.
1: That's right. That's right. That's how you control people. You control what they think. And the way you control what they think is you control what they say and what they read and what they hear.
2: Yep. And they've done a pretty good job of uh, of uh, flipping the other way and, and being successful at it. But I would say not as successful as they were uh, as far as freedom of speech about being able to speak what you believe. Instead of only being able to speak what you're allowed to speak, and we, we, you and I have have gone a long way with other uh, the use of, of, of other uh, state legislatures to uh, make it possible to have free speech. And hopefully, uh, next year we'll see that uh, that whole thought process expanded out and uh, be well, uh, be even a larger. Uh, you know, thought process for the people of Arkansas.
1: Yeah, well, Dave, of course, you were one of the founders of the bill that became law, the freedom of speech on campus here in Arkansas. Uh, We tried to pass uh, freedom of speech on campus part two, which would have expanded freedom of speech on campuses. And we were held back. By the way, who were we held back by? Not not lefties, not the Democrats. I'm not saying they voted for it. But we are an overwhelmingly Republican legislature. We can't blame the Democrats when we fail to pass something. We were held back by these crony Republicans that have no actual interest in true conservative ideals. So we have replaced a number of them. Uh, We'll replace the remaining few going forward. And in the meantime, I do think we have a good chance of passing that bill.
2: I do, too. And uh, I know it will be taken up again starting on January 9th. Uh, in the the state legislature, all right. Let's get our final break in. Guess where alcohol sales have uh, gone down the, the quickest? Any any guess there?
1: Um, I have no idea.
2: Yeah, Japan.
1: Is that right? Yeah, we'll exactly. talk about it.
2: I'm going to talk about it with you because yeah. the uh, Japanese government is engaging in a marketing campaign to get young people. To buy more adult beverages. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's crazy, huh? So let's talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But first, let's find out what's going on with our travelers. Okay, so, Robert, I promised you this story about Japan. I think you'll find it very interesting. comes from the Daily Wire, which I... uh, You know, I have my subscription, Mm -hmm. too, so I can read all their articles. It says, Japan's National Tax Agency, a government division responsible for collecting taxes, is sponsoring a unique business strategy contest in hopes of enticing more young people to drink alcohol. The online contest, titled Saki Viva, or Viva, I guess, Ask young people to submit their ideas for getting the younger generation to spend more money on booze. The tax agency is reportedly worried about a dwindling liquor business, uh, especially after COVID pandemic uh, shutdowns, and wants young people to help revitalize the industry, according to the contest website. Quote, the domestic alcoholic beverage market is shrinking due to demographic changes such as the declining birth rate and aging population and lifestyle changes due to the impact of the new coronavirus infection. The Saki Viva website states in this project by asking young people to propose their own business plans, we will appeal to young people for the development and promotion of Japanese alcoholic beverages, and at the same time, uh, we will revitalize the industry by announcing excellent plans. Now. Here's what's going on. In in, uh, 2021, the Japanese government raked in 1.18 trillion yen. That's about $13 billion uh, in U.S. from national liquor taxes. That number was up from 2020 revenue, but the annual tax revenue from liquor sales has been slightly decreasing since 2013. According to the uh, contest rules, only people between the ages of 20 and 39 are eligible to compete. The National Tax Agency wants contestants to focus on developing a plan related to, quote, Japanese alcoholic beverages, sake, uh, beer, whiskey, wine, etc. Participants are also asked to consider new methods of promoting business to young people. Here, here's my, here would be mine. Reduce taxes on liquor so that it's cheaper
1: to buy it. Well, Dave, while that may be the case, I'm more concerned about government encouraging drinking. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm not opposed to people uh, buying alcohol, of course. I'm not looking for prohibition. But now we're going the opposite, right? We have all of these so called sin taxes. And that includes tax on alcohol. I think in Little Rock, if you buy a drink at a bar, you pay just about as much in taxes as you do for the drink itself. And the claim was, well, we want to reduce bad behavior. No, they want to they want to collect a lot of money. That's what they want to do. And here's your proof.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. A, a reporter over in Japan, his name is uh Karen. Uh, That doesn't mean the same thing there that it means here in our. uh, But K-A-R-Y-N, is his name, Nishi, uh, wrote, quote, If the government wants to support the sake and beer industry, it has to be more serious. In developed countries, it is considered a good thing for young people to avoid drinking. Your point just a moment ago. So only Japan is in the opposite direction. It cannot be ignored. That alcohol is dangerous, thought that was I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, they're they're out there trying to push it push it that way. We always are talking about you know trying to make it uh, you know difficult for people to make a decision on that. They want to make the decision that everybody wants to drink. How do we get people to to do that how, how do we get yeah. people to drink more? It's kind of interesting, and they're right. They have a, democrat, a democratic, uh, democratic problem over there in that the uh, average age in Japan is uh, for men about fifty-eight years old, for women about fifty-six. They got they got a problem with you know being an older older country because of uh, of, of their societal views of uh, aged people. Which, right, by the right, way, right. is much more, which is much more positive than what we have in Western culture. In Western culture, good to be young. In uh, Asian culture, good to be old. There you go. It's kind of interesting. All right, brother, you have a good weekend. It's going to be br- tomorrow. pretty tomorrow, and uh, Sunday looks like some rain. But go out and do something tomorrow. Get outside and enjoy yourself, and and know. That uh, we're on the downside of all this coronavirus crap, so I'm I'm happy with that.
1: Me too. Yeah, me too.
2: I know you are. All right. I'll, I'll see you next week. All right. Later, Bob. Okay, Robert Steinbach here on uh, the Dave Ellswick show, and uh, we are we're just about done today until nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, I'll be back, and uh, Tim Lim's going to be with me now. Tim shows up every so often, um, every quarter or so, he is a very successful audiologist, just so you'll know. He's a doctor of, of audiology, which means he helps people hear better. However, more and more so, he and and, and Mark uh, Pellegrini are becoming a force in the comics industry. Uh, they are producing their own comics. I think they said their last uh, big push on uh, one of their comics they got, they they raised Over a hundred thousand dollars for their company. So, uh, we're going to talk to Tim about that, talk about uh, what's going on in the comic industry, even more so, what's going on in uh, you know, Marvel movies and things of that nature. So, culture. Upstream from politics, we'll talk about that at 9 o'clock hour. I look forward to hearing uh, from you when we talk about this coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, though, we got news coming your way, and uh, we'll bring you up to date on that, and then we'll bring you up to date on what's going on in the financial markets here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Last hour for a Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Tim Lim is on his way. He just texted me a few minutes ago, said I'm just around the corner. So he's on his way here. So uh, look forward to what's going on. Uh, Stock market, not having a good day. Wayfair, you know, you see their ads on TV a lot. Uh, Cutting hundreds of jobs as it seeks to become more profitable. Approximately 870 jobs will be cut, represents 5% of its global workforce and then 10% of its corporate teams. The company said Wayfair expects the layoffs to cost the company between about 30 and $40 million for employee severance and benefit costs. It expects to incur these costs in the third quarter of this year. And so it just says that's a developing story, and they'll have more on it later on uh, today. So we'll wait for that story. Uh, market is not doing really w- well right now, to be honest. By the way, uh, the president is uh, putting up a, a privacy uh, security fence at his Delaware beach house. And, and guess who's paying for it? If you said you and me, you'd be exactly right. It's, it's, that's what's happening. Um, according to the story, after spending much of his summer vacation on uh, Kiowa Island, South Carolina, President Biden heading back to his multi-million-dollar beach house in his home state of Delaware, where he's building a taxpayer-funded security fence at a cost that now has ballooned to $500,000 for fence around this house. Biden expected to arrive at his $2.7 million summer house in the North Shores community on Saturday after spending the last couple of nights in Wilmington, Delaware, according to data released by the FAA. On Wednesday, Biden was briefly at the White House signing the $739 billion Inflation Reduction Act into law in september twenty twenty one the uh, Department of Homeland Security awarded four hundred fifty six thousand five hundred and forty eight dollars to a Sussex county company to construct a security fence around the uh, president's home be nice if he'd construct a security fence around the United States slow down the migrants that'd be that'd be nice wouldn't it oh, and and wouldn't be sending his border agents. Uh, down to the fence, uh, down an eagle pass that 's been locked, padlocked, and had them unlock it and let the uh, the migrants that were on the other side in Mexico just walk on into the united states it 's a mess it is a- me- oh it 's more than a mess it's that's it 's terrible lightly i 'm heading down to uh i 'm not down heading up to d c uh, well, it depends. A lot of people say D.C. is like hell, so I, I guess I'd be heading down. But anyway, I'm I'm going to uh, to D.C. Uh, the 21st and 22nd of September. I'll be at the uh, uh, Hold Their Feet to the Fire mm. uh, two-day event. They always invite me to it. I've been there for most of the about 15 years, 16 years it's been going on. I couldn't uh, last year was sick because of my foot was messed up and then the year before that it was because of covid so anyway we'll be on top of the fox media center broadcasting live from there staying in the phoenix hotel which is just right down the street from the uh the Capitol, and i just uh got my my first uh, guest who will join me at nine o'clock on uh, the thursday the last day of the uh of the the event and it's going to be uh, senator bozeman so Ooh, okay you know he'll be joining with me there in washington d c and then after that I'll be talking him into taking me out to lunch
3: <laughs> has he ever taken you out to lunch? oh yeah
2: okay. yeah we've, we've 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 eaten together quite a few times he's a great guy good uh, we've typically what we do is we hold that off until breakfast uh for uh cpac so Maybe I can get a lunch and a breakfast. Yeah, there. if you're lucky. <laughs> I can work it out that way. It'd be all right for me. I'd love that. Tim Lim is here. He Man, this man has been running all over the United States this summer. Um, yeah, relatively. Well, if you, if you count Texas it as the United States. Well, yeah, of course I count it <laughs> as the United States. But, I mean, you've been
3: busy yeah I try to stay busy.
2: I was talking to uh Mark. he was on this week oh, with he was us okay. on Monday okay, and he said that you all were at a a big comic uh comic book conclave.
3: yeah, we sponsor a convention in Texas oh okay, um, and it's fairly big. I think because of so for the listeners. What happened was, because of the COVID shutdowns and stuff like that, obviously, even some places that were relatively free, like Texas, I mean, they were very, very free, probably second to Florida. Okay. They had the choice. Private businesses could do business or not. But it just so happened that that year, which was a bad year for, I think, a lot of people in 2020, they decided not to do a convention. I don't think there was a single convention in Texas after the initial shutdown, but 2021, Presented the opportunity for them to reopen, and they took it. So they did it, and I think they rose to the top five of comic conventions in Texas, which is not a small feat because there's so many of them. Right. And then this year, just based on the numbers alone, we wouldn't be surprised if we're in the top three now because there were oh, 30. Cool. I think they did a head count, and it was at least over 30,000 people. So that was a lot. Um, That's a lot. That's a big uh, convention. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was a really big convention. But it yeah. was exciting. We got to see a lot of our readers and our audience. And there was obviously a lot of our stuff everywhere—bags and promo items and things like Let's that.
2: Let's just stop you right there because you and Mark have become very popular
3: uh, relatively i mean in no, not i guess relatively. in small
2: <laughs> from where you started at yeah from where we started you guys are really big time
3: now yeah i mean it's all it's all grassroots we have no support from major entities at all like they actually they hate, they despise us completely but i mean you know it, it feels good for example sometimes like we've been on with rj carter right mm. and even he was like Oh, my son knows who you are. And some people will say that and they confuse me with other limbs because there's some other people with the last name Lim in the industry. And I thought, nah, you're probably referring to Ron Lim, who was the artist on Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. And then he's like, No, is this you? And then he would show me like a photo of my book. I was like, Yeah, that's me. He said, yeah. yeah, that's my son. He said he has your stuff. And in fact, um this happened earlier this year, but my wife, her coworker, was like, So what does your husband do? And she said what I did and so she asked her son and her son was like I literally owned all that guy's stuff. So, you know, it's humbling when when you see that. That's good. Man. It's good. I mean, it I'm not complaining. feel good too. Yeah, but it's it's just a strange feeling because we're not we're not used yeah. to it. So I understand that. Yeah. But you're going to become bigger and bigger. Well, I don't have I don't have lunch and dinner with John Bozeman, <laughs> so maybe one day.
0: <laughs> I
2: talk. you know, I, I got to tell you that I was talking to Mark and he was excited about uh, your your last uh a money raising effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was over a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, combined. That's uh, incredible. Yeah,
3: yeah. Considering that our first book we made twenty k, we were already really happy about that. Yeah. So seeing that steady growth is good. Um. And so we're just we're just happy to be able to print and fulfill the books. Honestly. I got to
2: ask you: Are you guys going to do a comic about the break in at uh, the president's house?
3: Probably not, no. You need to do something about it. It depends. Like uh, Honestly, I don't know how much of it he's talked to you about, but just after that last election, my gosh, politics just makes me sick. I obviously have my political beliefs. Don't get me wrong. Those aren't going away. But – I mean, that really kind of flip-flopped a lot of what I thought or at least how much power I think certain people have. So now I play the waiting game. I let the experts like you, Dave, oh, yeah, kind of tell me what's happening. I think that, that season of me opining on a lot of this stuff, I, I honestly don't feel like I know as much as I used to. Well, it's kinda ugly out there right now. Oh, it's disgusting. Let me Don't tell get you me wrong. What, what
2: what's going on with the DOJ and with the FBI yeah. is very disgusting.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of it has happened as a result of like what has transpired, especially in the last election. So I've done like my research on previous cases like ruby ridge no oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the waco siege oh yeah okay. um, operation northwoods
2: oh wow man you're catching up with a lot of stuff well, you should be catched up because a lot, up on.
3: a lot of it is deemed as conspiracy theory but for example waco and ruby ridge those are very public incidents with I used a, to have, a track record tried,
2: what was the guy's name from ruby ridge i can't think of his name right now but he's from texas yes he lived in iowa park mm-hmm. Uh, that was just a few miles from where I lived in Texas, at, in Wichita Falls. Right. And uh, he used to come on my show all the time.
3: Well, it's sad because, like, even in school we were taught and – th- and don't get me wrong. I went to a nice private school. But uh-huh. we were there when the Waco siege happened as far as, like, that was a live thing that was happening when I was Janet in the classroom. Janet
2: Reno! Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <go ahead.
3: laughs> and, and at the time it was like, well, they were a bunch of crazy people and the mm. FBI had to go in there and do what they did. Well – History has not looked favorably upon it. You look at it and it's like, no, there was a lot of malfeasance involved. And I think a big one, I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, buddy, you know, you think that um, this is like unprecedented look up Operation Northwoods. It's a completely declassified thing. You can go on Wikipedia. Wikipedia, of all places, will have an honest take on it. Mm -hmm. And Operation Northwoods was when the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they really wanted to go to war with Cuba. And so they presented JFK with what they called Operation Northwoods, which was a list of itemized things that they could do to justify a conflict in Cuba. And last on that list was... We're going to take a civilian aircraft, and we're going to shoot it down, and we're going to blame it on the Cubans. And this is the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Yep. This, this isn't just like a cabal of— re- hey, go, go back and read about the Bay of Pigs. Bay of Pigs is another one. too. There's a lot, a lot of shady stuff happening with intelligence agencies. So now whenever people are like, well, you know, they're the good guys. Intelligence agencies would never do anything wrong. Mm, not true. I'm like, that is absolutely not true. Not
2: true. Yeah, go down— Read
3: about Shelley sometime. There was a guy. I'm not going to mention his name, but we had a buddy, and he was an FBI agent. Attended his wedding. We've known each other for about a decade. Knew each other for a long time. Attended his wedding, and about two months. Mu- and that was about two or three months before my own. Well, our wedding happened to coincide roughly three days after the presidential election in 2016, and he was not a fan of um, of Donald Trump at okay, all. Okay, all right. After he won, he got rid of his uh, his, uh, his wedding invite to us, and he did not show up at all. <laughs> just complete, he RSVP'd, him and his wife did not show up. And um, didn't hear from him after that, but then I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, hey, what, you know, I, saw, I heard that you were at this guy's house. Uh, what's you, How's he doing? How's his wife doing? And he was like, man, the guy's just not the same, and he's going up to D.C., and he said that he's going up to D.C. because he has to be part of the solution to fix the problem. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah And he's yeah, like, I, is, I don't know. It? You know how these guys talk. And so whenever people are like, nah, the FBI, like all these intelligence agencies, they would never do anything bad. I'm like, I know from both history and from personal experience that all you need are just a few people who, who don't really have – the best, the objective best interests of people in mind that they have an agenda, and they can really screw things up. So at this point, I'm like, I have no clue, like, what to think about any of these people. Yeah, All the gone, cards are on the they've table. They've
2: gone off the deep end. I will tell you that. And Randy Weaver found that out. Randy uh, Weaver, that was his name. Yeah, he yeah. found that out the hard way. Yeah, uh, lost his wife, lost mm-hmm. one of his kids, and uh, it was a terrible, terrible
3: yeah. situation. And it was, a, it was honestly a setup. Well, I mean, well, the, yeah,
2: they cut off to the. The, the the barrel of that uh, shotgun mm-hmm. that he had to make it illegal.
3: Right. And a lot of times if you find out where there's a lot of this history of, like, are they just poking and prodding trying to get someone to do something to justify them going in and um, acting like the hero? Because if they are, it's like, man, that's not really what taxpayers pay you for. No. no <laughs> it, it, it's not. In fact,
2: it, we should be doing things to stop them from doing these things, because If they'll go for somebody like Randy Weaver, they'll go for anybody. Mm
3: -hmm. I'm just telling you, it is not a good deal. Then you have the, what, 87,000 IRS agents they're training right now with weapons? Don't even get me started on it. Uh, I won't. I I mean, seriously,
2: (laughs) it's uh, that... I'm telling you, they're telling everybody they're not going to raise their taxes if they make under $400,000, right. but they're going to get $20 billion. Right, from collected f- yeah, audits. Yeah, from people about f- that make $40,000 or less a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So get ready for the proctology exam. Yeah. I'm just telling you, it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. And somebody brought something up to me that makes sense to me. I hope it's not true, but I could see where it could be true, knowing how radical the left is about their anti-gun thoughts mm-hmm. and that is let's say you an IRS agent comes to somebody's home uh and uh, you know they they're do, maybe they're doing a, an audit on them and they they're there cuz they want they hear that there's some materials there that they need mm-hmm. to prove that they they definitely cheated on their taxes well let's say you don't let them in okay well they can They can go after you in a court of law about that. And if they charge you with something that's a felony, they then can come in and search your home. And if it's one of these wide open type of uh, affidavits for searching your home and let's say they find guns, they could confiscate your guns. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you, I, I could see that happening. I can see that happening. Make it look like they have made you a criminal. Now they can make it look like they have to confiscate your guns because
3: you're dangerous. For the IRS thing, have those agents already been hired, or is it part of a bill that needs to get approved? Well, it's already been
2: signed into law now. It has, okay. The president signed into law just the other day. So uh, now the money will be, uh, well, supposedly will be uh, dictated to the necessary agencies. If we would happen to win the uh, the House and if we could pull off the Senate, we could stop funding mm-hmm. those agents and never see those agents get a job.
3: Yeah. That would yeah, be good.
2: On that. All right. mean, Toad, i got to take a break. Let's get the break in here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you about East End Towing. East End Towing knows it all when it comes to the business of towing. These are guys that belong with the uh, folks in the government as far as Arkansas Towing Recovery Board. License insured. Each truck is permitted. They understand all the rules, the regulations. They'll keep you out of trouble. uh, And just make sure that you don't end up in in an impound yard someplace. Call them, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. That's East In Towing. Yeah, I can understand, Tim, why you're concerned. I mean, seriously concerned about what has gone on in our country uh, here in the first year of, uh, I mean, he's not even, is he done with his first year now? No, Biden's not even done with his first year, is he? He is. Oh, he is? Yeah. Okay. He's on his second year. That's yeah. right. He's halfway through his destruction of America. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's been two years. I want i want to have a t-shirt or a, or a hoodie, you know, Biden destruction of America tour 2021-2024, 2020-2024. To <laughs> Because he is, he's trying to destroy this country.
3: Well, I think, I, or I, maybe he doesn't know it. Just the people who are guiding him know it. I don't even know he. Uh, my personal opinion, I don't think he's even really cognizant. I think that people basically manage him, and yeah. he's just a kind of a puppet um, in terms of like where his mantle, mental faculties are at the moment. But I think that it's it's the destruction of America comes when you sell it to your opponents. And apparently, like I think you and I have had this talk before. I don't even feel like. Communist China will have to do anything; they'll just waltz right in what because they, we. Well,
2: that's what they're trying to do. I I think that next year, uh, in the state legislature, you will see laws passed that will forbid uh, foreign entities that are our enemies from buying
3: farmland and stuff. I was going to mention that. I mean, they buy a lot of farmland in Texas alone. I
2: yeah.
1: think I
3: think they're only second to Bill Gates in terms of land private land ownership. Well, take a look
2: at up there in North Dakota, all that uh, acreage they wanted up there. And it was just uh, a couple of miles away from Grand Forks Air Force Base, which uh, is where they do all of the work on some of our most high-tech drones that we mm-hmm. have. Now, and uh, they put that on the hold. They, they put the brakes on that.
3: It's just his, it's hysterical because obviously, with um, my like an eth, uh, an ethnic tie to the Chinese, um, it's funny because. You and I haven't talked about this, but you saw the enrollment in the military is at its all time low. Yep. They can't recruit anyone nope. to come in. And I mean I think they've taken some exit polls where basically young men are like it's so propagandized and so woke that it's just not That's
2: exactly right. It's not about protecting your country anymore. It's by it's can you say the correct pronoun? Right
3: and i think the funny thing is that you have china over with the united nations giving speeches about how um, like racist the united states is no, of course. but they're but they're laughing at us when they do it because they know they know that they can they can weaponize guilt and meanwhile, the idiots who are in charge and who have this Pollyanna version of what they feel like an American utopia is like, they're like, they're right. you know. We, ought, we should feel guilty. I'm like, they're laughing at you yeah. because they're demoralizing you, and it's working. Because Cause, cause you're exactly what the Soviets said. You're useful idiots. Useful idiots is what it boils down to. Yeah. And meanwhile, the Chinese military is growing, growing by the day. And, um, you know, we reached this point now where even when you had that thing with Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan a few weeks ago, it's this idea of, for the first time, I think a lot of people were like, man, I do not want to go to war with China. Like if this, if this ends up being a thing, I don't even know if we're going to win because everything is so demoralized. Our military is not where it needs to be as far as, as, far as firepower and whatnot. I'll let experts decide. But as far as the, mor- the morale of its troops – and the manpower, I don't think it's there. I would like. I just don't think that um, at the moment um, the the kind of gung ho spirit of combat against a foreign entity is present. We just we don't have either the will or the um, the fiber to back that up.
2: Well, here's what I know: if Trump had been president or Reagan had been tr- uh, pre- president, we would have done things completely differently. All right, back with you. Let me finish up what I was saying before we uh went to break. I looked down at my clock and I read it wrong on my phone. Uh bottom line is if Reagan or Trump had had been president uh during the time that Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan and the Chinese, you know, were doing their uh military maneuvers over there, uh I can tell you exactly what either one of them probably would have done. They would have taken pieces of the Seventh Fleet and uh, driven right through the Straits of Taiwan between China and and Taiwan, or between China and Taiwan. They would have uh, let them know that, hey, okay, you want to cause problems? We're here to to deal with that if it happens.
3: There wasn't much of a ruckus that happened as a result, right? I remember there was some saber rattling from the Chinese. But that was about all, and that, that was that's it. all I, I expected from them. However,
2: I think we've got to keep our eye on them because, look, they're keeping their eye on what we're doing well, since Afghanistan and the withdrawal, that, we, that debacle that Biden was over. Uh, since that has happened, the Chinese and the Russians have both been watching to see what we will do when they do things that are provocative. Mm-hmm. And uh you know Biden's a, a, is a weak sister. Yeah. And uh that's to be worried about. I mean very much needs to be worked, uh, worried about. I'll give him credit. He put the Reagan the, the the super carrier we got over there by the time by the the, the Straits His of His handlers I'll, did. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> uh over there just to, to let the Chinese know we see what you're doing, all right. However, it wasn't a real show of force. I mean, if they if he had brought the fleet in there, now that's a show of force, because you can do a lot of damage with the seventh fleet. I'm just telling you, it would have been uh, would have been interesting to see us nose to nose over there. But it was. Look, you got to understand, they want Taiwan. I mean, this whole you know uh, what what do they call it one country two two continents or yeah. whatever whatever how they they determine that they want since Chiang kai Chi, shek Chi, Chi took over or went over to taiwan they wanted it back they mm-hmm. consider it part of china they think they still own it just like hong kong yeah you know and they managed to get hong kong well yeah they've got it you know i i don't know when it's going to happen but i i just i don't i have never trusted the chinese or or the uh the Russians at that time, the Soviets, I've never trusted either one of them. They both want world domination. Sooner or later, those two are going to have to get nose to nose, too. That would be an interesting discussion between, you know, Putin and, and what is his name, Ching or Ching or whatever it is <laughs> uh,
3: there. Ping. Ping, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, Winnie, so Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. That's what they call him.
2: Well, that's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. You know? And he wants all the honey in the world. That's what he wants, you know, to be honest with you. But and and they gotta do something pretty pretty soon because those birth policies they went through years ago has made their demographics very old in China.
3: Yeah. They haven't replenished their population.
2: Yeah. It's gonna be bad for them. I was I was doing a story today about uh, uh
3: Japan. They got the same problem. Yeah. They do people are old. Yeah, and and Shinzo Abe, one of his things was. Oh, he was I al- liked him. He was always encouraging them to repopulate. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big thing for him. And um, you don't have to dress up like a stuffed animal to do it. No, you don't. <laughs> but that's what some of them like. <laughs> I so. know it's what some <laughs> of them like.
2: That's why I mentioned it. You know, you got, you got to stay up with my show. You gotta you gotta
3: stay up with culture <laughs> and what the countries are saying. Uh, it's some it's some degeneracy that happens sometimes <laughs> over there. We see it a lot of. At these comic conventions trust me oh do you? do you see a lot of people dressed up in- oh yeah as fur as fur creatures you know oh, that's
2: weird yeah. it's strange kind of a strange subculture we've had that we've had that happen on a real deal up in a school district that i won't mention right now but not that far from little rock that <laughs> that uh, parents went to the uh the school and their and their child identified as a, uh, a cat. Oh, okay. And they, they want their child to be able to bring a litter box to school. Oh, that's interesting. I'll give the superintendent credit. They said no. Good, well, good for them. So, so good for them. But now they've they've done it with somebody else, and uh, they went and put a, a litter box in their store, and they're suing the store. <laughs>
3: I mean it's, people are crazy now. They're they're crazy, but the good thing is where we live, relatively sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust me, I've talked I've spoken to friends of mine who live in the coastal cities and it is like the twilight zone well and complete and, insanity. What's
2: his name that's on HBO? Um the comedian. I don't know. Oh yeah, you do. If I say his name you'll know who it is. He's he's a he's a rabbit, rabbit uh lefty. And, uh, that doesn't narrow it down. Well, anyway. <laughs> Patton you know, Oswald. Even even he looks at what's oh, going
3: on. Bill, Bill oh, Maher. Yeah, Maher. Bill Maher. Yeah, Mar. Bill Mar. yeah. Yeah, he says. You know he used to date Ann Coulter? Did you know that?
2: Well, I knew Ann was a little crazy, too. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I know Ann pretty well. She was the only person I knew that could go through, like, three boxes of uh, – you know get off of smoking gum mm. uh in a matter of a couple of days she was a deadhead you know yeah well she loved the grateful i, I like the grateful dead yeah but musically they were very good <laughs> you know but thought, you're a crazy guy too dave. thought wise thought wise now a different story you know I can. it's like everybody says but well, what kind is it? what is your favorite music dave and i said well you ever heard of Megadeth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of music I like. There's nothing I wrong with Megadeth. I like thrash rock. I yeah. really do. I like it a lot. Them and Pantera and I'll all of tell those. tell you series. something
3: funny about all those bands. So when I was a kid, I'm not musically inclined, so I'm not big into music, period. But definitely when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't just my parents, but it was basically the parents of everyone we knew who were like, well, you don't listen to that stuff. That stuff is wild. Like, it's that's crazy. That's devil music. It, yeah. Well, here I am when I was, like, a 20-year-old man and I was in college. Um, I just thought to myself, like, there was a, a, a friend of mine. He was listening to something. I was like, oh, what is that? He's like, it's Iron Maiden. Oh, I was like, yeah. oh, look, like, I kind of like it. image so, of the beast. <laughs> right, so ahead. I start, Well, I started listening to some of that. It's tame. Like, it's relatively tame now compared to now.
2: Yeah, I, my favorite channel on uh, Sirius FM is Liquid Metal. Mm-hmm. I love that channel. I listen to it. When I want to come home from work, I'm trying to get all that out of my system, yeah. the, the politics, and I just want to just flush it of, out. Yeah, just get it
3: all fired up. <laughs> I
2: listen to liquid
3: metal. I love it. I enjoy all
2: it's, this. Stuff. It's good
3: stuff. And I, I remember, like, my wife when we were dating. She's like, "What do you like listening to?" I was like, "My musical taste—you're never going to guess." But it's basically like a lot of variations of metal from the '80s. Yeah, it's, like Iron Maiden is Metallica. Uh, not uh, believe it or not, I'm not. I'm not a big um, listener of them because I don't know. Just something about their their music just doesn't speak to me. But mm-hmm. Iron Maiden, a lot of their music is based on history. Well, yeah, they're talking about medieval medieval warfare, warfare and, stuff. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah they had, they had one. It was um, like Ace's High is about like the Battle of Britain, I think. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, I like them just because the lead singer flies their own plane.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he Dickinson. Okay,
2: he owns the uh, the plane that they they do their tour
3: on i do i do with musicians the same thing i do with actors i actually don't know anything about their personal lives so you can name a you can name a band and it is very rare that i know anyone in it i just listen to the music i love i just like speed metal i i I like it (laughs) you like rob zombie oh yeah yeah i like zombie i
2: like cooper I mean, uh, I'm not a big fan you of know, Cooper. I mean, zombie I like. Yeah, Zombie's cool, but Zombie is just Alice Cooper 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all That's all it is, <laughs> yeah. and I'm looking forward. He's got a new movie coming out. He's doing oh, The mu- he's doing The, the Munsters.
3: Mu- yeah. So you see those it? screenshots from The Adams Family? Oh, yeah. they came out. Have you seen that new movie, Wednesday? I think it's a series, right? It's not yeah. a movie. Well,
2: it's movie-like.
3: It, well, I think we're looking at the same thing. It's one where they got Guzman to play... Um, what's his name? Um, Gomez. Gomez. Yeah, is out. Yeah. Is out Al already? Or
2: no, it's getting ready to come. Okay. Out. Okay. But I like the the girl that I got playing Wednesday. Uh-huh. Looks like uh, Richie mm. as when she played Wednesday, and uh,
3: it looks kind of interesting. Well, people people are very apoplectic about <laughs> hiring Guzman to play Gomez Adams. I just don't. I don't care because I like Guzman. I think he's a funny guy. What's wrong with him playing? They just think he's like you know he's like a.
2: Big, fat dude. Okay. That's what Gomez was, basically. Yeah. You, have you ever looked at the original artwork that was for the Adams family? Yeah, he was
3: a he was a, a round man. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs>
2: if he got caught on a hill, he'd roll down it. That's just the way it was. Yeah.
3: But the other people they got, um, they look they look fairly accurate to what we can expect. Morticia looks like Morticia. Yeah. Uh, Pugsley looks like, looks like Pugsley. Looks like Carolyn
2: Jones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I want to see who the who the guy playing Pugsley. Do you know? I have no idea I'll who's playing going. Lurch. Now this is the important of <laughs> Who is
3: playing Lurch? Yeah, you rang? <laughs> you know, I like who's playing Cousin um, It. It right? Yeah, and and Thing. I always get Thing and and Cousin It mixed up. Yeah, Cousin It is the furry dude. Yeah, and the Thing is just a hand. Yeah, the walking just
2: hand. a hand running around, and the Thing is in. Uh, this new show, because mm-hmm. I've seen the hand running around in there that's not hooked up to anything. Yeah, it's, it's It'll be fun to watch, but I'll have to get ready for the woke warriors that are writing the scripts, I'm sure.
3: I have no idea. It's one of those, so I'll, I'll, I'll something that Mark and I have talked about, and you might have talked about with him on Monday, so we don't, we got to the point where I don't pay attention to what other people say about anything. I watch it myself, and then I try to think yeah. to myself. yeah. You know, try to interpret it just from my own lens because one of the things recently was like that Obi Wan series. My gosh, people were getting mad about it. I watched it with my wife. I did not read a single review. Mm-hmm. She and I liked it. Yeah, and I hadn't it, seen it. Well, Mark, That's because I I disassociated myself from, from Disney, Disney Plus. Yeah. Well, Mark watched it, uh-huh. and he, he did see the same thing. He was, and we were driving, and he goes. I don't want to tell anyone, but I'm watching this Obi-Wan series. It's actually pretty good. And I said, oh, you too, because like, we watched it, and we thought the same thing. He said, like, yeah, but I don't want to say anything, because people get really mad on Twitter.
2: Well, what I get mad at is how they try to sneak that woke crap in. That one doesn't have any of it. Okay, though. well, that's good. I yeah. mean, for instance, the new Thor movie, mm-hmm. it's
3: just Full of that junk. They have it in Doctor my wife and I watch Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. This is the first thing you see. You see you see that the the uh, the girl, America Chavez, and she has the pride pin on her on her lapel. oh yeah and it's like i i, I saw it immediately it's like that's not even subtle guys yeah. <laughs> like, come on <laughs> i i mentioned it to my wife i said they've already ruined yeah. the movie for me they're trying it's a subliminal thing Get yeah that in there it's a little detail that doesn't matter like why did you have to put that in there you didn't have to put you it didn't. in there
2: that's the problem with it all right billy mack wants you to know he wants to take care of your security system he's taking care of mine why shouldn't he take care of yours uh, I mean, look, I've got the door and window sensors. I've got the indoor-outdoor cameras. i got the doorbell camera. And then the analytics that uh, gives you a really true detection, for instance, used to be you didn't know what it was picking up. All right? It it could have been, a, you know, a mad squirrel tearing across your lawn or whatever. Now they can tell you and they will tell you whether it's a person, an animal, a car, or just a big gust of wind, and, and then it shows up on your uh, You know your smartphone and uh, great pictures because they're 1080p cameras. It's now watching like watching a a 1990s version of A and E. It's just not that way, and and the the people don't have like an aura around them that's glowing. That's not the way it is. You can look at it. You can tell. You know what kind of person it is. I. You know when it's got me. I can know it's me. It's not my wife or it's not my son or or whatever. And Billy Mac supplies all of that equipment to you for free. You don't pay a dime for that. All you do is pay for the service that you get. And on top of that, you want to make sure that you get these great pieces of equipment that are in your home. Uh, 501-205-1333 is their number. 501-205-1333. Billy Mac looks forward to talking to you getting you set up with your home or your business, and keeping you safe. That is ICU protection. Did you see, uh, what was the movie called? The Ghost and... Some the Darkness. And The Darkness. With Val the, Kilmer. The, yeah, with the two the two lions. I think so, that They were yeah. they went out to get. Older movie from Michael, like the 90s. Yeah, 96. I, think. I looked it up. Okay. Uh, Michael Douglas played the older hunter, and Val Kilmer was... Kilmer was the younger hunter, and he was a uh, engineer. They were trying to build a bridge mm-hmm. across the gully for the for the um, uh, the train there in Africa. It's tr- based on a true story, and uh, yeah, it, that was a great movie. Well, I went and saw the Beast last night, and look, it, Idris, I like him a lot. The only time that I talked against him is when they said they wanted him to play James Bond. Oh, they still do. And I just made the statement, well, they might be able to get away with it now, because they killed they the will. real deal. Uh, they will get away with you know. it. Oh, is it been named that he is going to be? No, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet money it will be. Well, they've been, they've been working on it for about eight years now. And I've always said, you know, Bond was a white guy. He was a wasp, and, uh, you know, he's English, and, you know, you should stick with, what Ian Fleming wanted in yeah. in Bond, so anyway, uh but he was really good in this movie, although it was like watching a cheap horror movie at times because the people were doing stupid stuff, you know, don't go in the basement, well, first place you're going to go is in the basement, yeah of course, and don't, don't split sur- up, and we're not split yeah, up. don't split up. I mean, it's just all the Scream rules were being broken. By the way, did you know they got a Scream Six coming out next year? No. Yes.
3: <laughs> I did not know that. You tell Mark that. No, I have not. Is he a big Scream fan? He, you know, he's a big fan of all this horror movies. Oh, I know he is. He, I I like horror too. He but. does a he does a podcast every Tuesday night called the Kinonomicon. It's an hour long podcast, and I just talk about movies. And I always li- I always listen to them. I have no clue what they're talking about, but it's. One of the most amusing podcasts to listen to. It's him and two other friends, and they just do talked about they talk about a random horror movie. And nine times out of ten, it's a movie I've never heard of. I've got to listen to that. Oh, it's a great. Oh, I have to yeah, listen. It's to live. I it's a
2: know. live. It's a live show they do at nine o'clock every night. I did not know he was doing that. Yeah. So why would not tell my listeners? I that? know. I know because he, he's too humble. I'll get him on. He is a really humble yeah. guy.
3: He doesn't, doesn't brag about himself.
2: No, he like. doesn't. He needs to talk more about himself because he is a fine writer. I mean, he really is. Well, you've known that. You've been. How long have you guys working together? More, more than
3: a decade. Really, that long yeah. now? Huh. Uh-huh. He's the, he's the brain, and I'm the brawn. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I gotta laugh at that.
3: In real life, it's the opposite. I'm the brain, and he's the brawn.
2: Yeah, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm sitting here looking, and I'm thinking, I still have my stuff. Of my, Trump the, no, over there, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He's been sitting there for quite some time now. Yeah,
3: We got more stuff coming too. We got we got statues. Those came in the other day. We got plush toys coming in today at the warehouse too. So we got a lot of stuff. Are these new are these new yeah. characters? No, no, old. It's, it's this a common America character. We're just getting a bunch of merchandise. Okay, I, I gotta take. Where do I
2: go to find out about
3: it? Oh, it won't be available until. Late, probably early september maybe okay, well, I'll, I'll let you know that's I'm not sure. that far away man we're in the uh, middle of of, of august oh, right i know now. i know but we um i don't know the, the year is winding down and I'm trying to get a bunch of stuff ready before the year closes out so we can get ready for all the stuff in the spring too i, I will
2: tell you this people after after covid A lot of pent-up, we want to go do stuff. Of course. I mean, huge, huge turnout for Comic-Con this year. And I know Mm. you're not a big, big fan of Comic-Con, but I got to tell you, they had a ton. That's the biggest one I've seen since the first Godzilla movie came out.
3: You mean the one in San Diego? Yes. They had the lowest attendance. Did they really? Yeah. did not have a lot of people. Oh, that's right. But look who's the governor. D.C.? DC Comics was not present, and I think Dark Horse Comics was not present. So two of the top five publishers didn't even show up to the convention. Well, I, you know,
2: I can understand why DC didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> I they cannot do anything movie. You're absolutely
3: correct. Right. Good for you, Dave. <laughs> they Screw it up, left and right. I mean, I'm looking forward to the new Shazam. So, so let me tell you something. So a lot of the people in our comic circles, they said, "Well, DC didn't show up because their comics suck." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking what you're thinking. I'm like, "They didn't show up because their movies suck." Yeah, it's because their movies. That's that's what Comic-Con that's where the money is. Yes, now. and that's what Comic-Con has kind of turned into is the big people, they show up because they have a movie to promote. Yeah. If or, you're lucky you'll find a some show on television. Right. If you're lucky, you'll find some comic stuff over, like in the other hall. But the main hall is mostly an expo center for the media, for it's a, it's like a tent pole for Marvel, DC, and whatever. But if you're screwing up, like DC does, they can't they can't determine what their movie
0: Let's lineup is be. Let's consider
2: this for a moment. You got all these great actors that came out of the Marvel movies. What do you got for DC? <laughs> you got Ezra Miller,
3: yeah, who got what? He's a is he arrested? Or is a warrant out for his arrest? He's right. nuts. Yeah. And then Amber Heard, yeah, with, Amber heard with Aquaman. And
2: are just saying, do
3: not even put
2: her yeah. in Aquaman
3: this yeah. next year. Yep, Cut it part out. That's and, what they're saying. And you have to remember that it's not just DC, it's DC Warner. And yeah. Warner got in trouble because, you know, obviously with the fallout of the Amber Heard stuff, suddenly they want Johnny Depp to come back into those Harry Potter movies. Yeah. So it's like they have no clue what they're doing on that side of things. They want Johnny Depp to come
2: back and do Pirates again. I heard. They've yeah. been talking really seriously to him about that. Yeah. We'll
3: see if he does it.
2: I hope he does. I like him. I
3: like I like him in those movies. If they
2: bring him back, you got to bring back the uh, the other guy. Who's uh, Orlando you, Bloom? Yeah, bring Orlando Bloom. Kira back. Knightley. Yeah. Why don't you bring back
3: the originals? Yeah, that would be fun. Maybe they're retired. They don't want to yeah. do it
2: anymore. <laughs> uh, Kira might not want to. She's turned into a very good actress. Yeah. You know, she's become like a seriously. classically trained. Yeah, like A-lister. she's good. Yeah. I mean, really good. I forget what that movie was that she did where. They
3: lied about that she did this or that. Her sister lied about her. It uh-huh. was it was really good. Did you know that she was the she was the body double of Natalie Portman in that for, in Star Wars Episode One? Really? Yeah. In that's the scene, different. remember how there's a part where the queen turns out it's not the real queen. Yeah, it's, that's Keira Knightley. She's wow. the body double. That's pretty
2: cool. Yeah, she was so thin when she started. Out.
3: Oh yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, we're talking skeletal. Yeah. Okay, we're out of time, dude. Oh, man. We got to do this again soon.
3: Yes, sir. Absolutely. We got a lot to catch up on. <laughs> we really do.
2: All right. I'll see you on Monday, 6 a.m. That's when we get back together again. Uh, don't forget, Ryan Norris is going to join
0: us for Americans for Prosperity.